Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And I have a thing tonight, and so I thought I need to look good. Let me just begin by saying that I definitely have a problem, a real complex problem. I hate to go shopping. I hate to buy clothes. I hate it. Uh, it conjures up for me such terrible feelings of feeling ugly about myself. And I should also tell you that um, there is the subjective reality and the objective reality of life. In the subjective reality of life, I'm always too fat. I always need to lose 10 pounds. I could always look better in something. And I come away feeling like, and maybe this is the reason why, I have an image of myself in the shared Lohman's dressing room, which anybody who's experienced that will instantly go back to that moment in time. So the shared Lohman's dressing room happened to have been in Hewlett, Long Island, part of the five towns where I grew up. And on Hewlett, Long Island, there was a fabulous store called Lowman's, which originated from the Bronx. I don't know the family's name, but it was Garmento, Garmento, Garmento. And what Lowman's did, which was really unusual for its day, and even today, hard to find something to match, was they had a lot of clothing on racks from a lot of different places at reasonable prices, go figure, and good clothing. And they had something called the back room. And the back room was literally a back room where you would go and you might find Ralph Lauren or Donna Karen, Calvin Klein in those days, whatever the big brands were. And you might find, you know, the equivalent of today's couture for more than the average Lowman's price, but still something you could actually afford. And sometimes even in the main room, there would be a pretty piece of clothing, and it would have that black tag, and it would say back door, back room, and then you would go in the back room. Anyway, but the thing about Lomas that it was very famous for was that nobody had an individual dressing room. So imagine this. I'm seven years old. I'm eight years old. I'm nine years old. I'm going with my mom. Maybe I'm even six. And I'm going with my mother to buy clothes. And my experience is going into a very fluorescent lit shared dressing room with a lot of bras and a lot of girdles. Remember, we're going back to the 1960s. Women wore girdles in those days. 
and a lot of flab. A lot of fat hanging out of backs and boobs and legs and calves and arms. And a lot of women, most of them, saying to the woman next door in their mirror, in this collective mirror, how does that look on me? What do you think? Do I look fat? And the fun thing about it was that a lot of women, including my mom, would bring their husbands with them and they would have these chairs. I'm not kidding you. And the chairs would be outside the dressing room. And invariably, when we went, there would be my dad waiting on a chair, reading a paper. Because in those days, nobody read on their iPhone. He'd be reading a paper, sitting cross-legged with his leg over his other leg, and just reading the paper and waiting for mommy to come out once in a while and so that he could get the look. And by the way, he really enjoyed this because my mother was jeans, jeans, jeans until Saturday night, and she was Miss Glam. Glamour, glamour, pictures of her are beyond. And she was a natural beauty, a real natural beauty who had tremendous inferiority complex, here it comes, about her weight because she grew up fat, which I had to hear every single day of my life. I grew up fat. They call, They used to say to me, uh, I don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. And she was... Um, 160 pounds in those days at the ages of 15 or 16. They didn't even make clothes that were flattering for people that were not of skinniness. My mom was born in 34. You're talking a post-war 50s, 40s, 50s generation where there was a lot of conformity, a lot of cinched belts and waists, and people wore dresses. And uh, that complex of being fat never left her. Now, I grew up, I was thinking I was fat, but if you... Here's the subjective or objective, okay? Objectively, I wasn't even close to fat. It was beautiful. I look at pictures of myself now, 12, 13, 14, 15, 7, 8, 9. It was beautiful. I had a beautiful figure. But in my head, I was something else. Maybe because my mother would get on the scale every single morning and announce what she weighed. And it was invariably between 128 and 132. And the minute it would go over 132, we all had to hear about it. And she would say, I'm not eating today. I'm not eating today. Anyway, so bringing me back, just, you know, the psyche, so you understand where I'm coming from. Everybody should always understand where someone's coming from. So I get up this morning, and I've got to look pretty today. And I have had this terrible recent thing with Ozempic because I have really wanted to knock off my post-menopause tire ugly thing, which is a new thing on my body, and I'm not happy about it. And the scale had been inching upwards and upwards, a pound here, a pound there, and all of a sudden, a pound was five, a pound was ten. I wanted to knock it off. So I took Ozempic, and I took a dose, 0.5. The lowest dose is 0.25. I actually tried that for three or four weeks. It had no impact on me whatsoever, bad, good, or indifferent. Joanna said, you're not at the right dose yet. So I took 0.5. And immediately, I guess I was at the right dose because it goes in doubled increments and it's a little sort of injection pad in your hip, doesn't hurt at all, like a little prick. And I, the medicine was prescribed for me, by the way. It wasn't black market. I have a lot of friends on the black market and they're getting semi-glutide from PAs and other dispensaries and medispas. Please, it's everywhere in the semi-glutide formulation, just as semi-glutide. But with the generic name Ozempic, it was prescribed to me because I told you I have this polycystic ovarian disease, hormonal insulin resistance problem, 
and actually Ozempic was developed for people with that problem. So I'm technically pre-diabetic, I'm not diabetic, but I'm in that medically authorized thing for people with a predisposition towards gaining weight and having trouble losing it. That's what I am. That's what I've been since I'm 12. Okay. So I take this medicine hoping that it's going to right a wrong that is intrinsically in my body, and I find out that I, who hate to suffer, remember the Buddha, to live is to suffer, that's not me, it's not Lisa, uh-uh. I don't believe that to live is to suffer. In fact, I avoid suffering at all possible, at all costs, whenever I can. So the side effects of Ozempic were too much for me to handle. Too much nausea, vomiting, wanting to die, nausea, vomiting, and I have a busy, beautiful, happy life, but it requires energy and calories to sustain the energy, and I couldn't eat a bite. I think I subsisted on one to 200 calories for three days in a row. I lost five pounds in five days. So, yeah, I knocked off some weight, and it was fun. It was fun to look at the scale in the morning. That was my only bit of fun. Bringing me to getting dressed in the morning. So, I had that disastrous episode with Ozempic. It's four weeks already. I'm still really not myself. I'll be honest with you. I'm not myself. I'm burping. And I don't know what's happening. I'm avoiding and averting any kind of fruit. Anybody who knows me knows that I am the fruit lady. I average six to seven fruits a day my entire life. I can't look at fruit. It's almost like when you're pregnant and you don't just have cravings, you have aversions. Did you go through that? If you're listening to me and you were ever pregnant, you have cravings here and there, but more, more prevalent are these aversions where there are things you just cannot eat during pregnancy. I couldn't touch chicken during Joanna's pregnancy. As soon as she was born, please, please give me the birds. That's all I eat. I subsist on chicken. I know that my karma may have me come back as one, which will be a very short-lived existence, but to be fair, I've probably eaten thousands and thousands and thousands of birds. So this post-Ozempic experience that I'm having is still here. It's still with me, and I have an aversion to all things sweet, which is not a bad thing. Anyway, get up this morning, and here's what I want to tell you about the objective of the subjective. So I've been rambling about the subjective, and the subjective is, I don't know that I have body dysmorphia. I wouldn't go that far. Let's not get crazy. But I have an aversion to shopping. And I never like the way my body looks in a mirror in a dressing room. And I'm always unhappy. And I've solved that problem by going to my friend's house three times a year, sometimes twice a year, where she has a home boutique of selective clothing. And that's why I buy my clothes. That's why I buy my clothes. I buy my clothes for my friend at her house. I don't go to Lowman's. Maybe the shared dressing room inflicted its trauma on me early, the imprint. Uh, but... And occasionally I'll pick up some things here and there, but really not. So my wardrobe is very old and tatty. And yesterday when I went to work, I wore a suit from a store that has gone bankrupt 20 years ago and a blouse that I wore when I went to Millbank Tweed in 1984. And it was in very good shape. Beautiful silk blouse, lovely suit. My point is that I keep my clothes when I have them because I am loath to shop for others. Now here, so that's the subjective. The objective is, I'm a size 8. 
Sometimes I'm a 10, sometimes I'm a 6, depending on how it runs. But I'm mostly an 8. That's what I am. And nobody would call anybody with a size 8 a fat person. I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. I wouldn't even call somebody who's a 12 a fat person. <clears throat> so there's the objective and the subjective. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. That objectively, there's no reason why I can't go and buy clothes. Subjectively, it's all in my head. And that's really the conversation, isn't it? It's the stuff in our head that trips us up. That trips us up. So anyway, just want to tell you, I'm on my way to the station this morning. And I'm in this black dress, which I haven't worn in about 20 years. It's one of these things I found when I was going through my closet that I didn't remember I had. I'm wearing it with a white jacket. And I'm wearing my favorite hosiery. I definitely splurge on pantyhose, okay, because I love the feel of a high-quality pantyhose on my leg. I don't wear any spanks. I don't wear any tummy control. I don't do any of that anymore since I've discovered Wolford and Fogal, and they're a fortune, and they're worth it, and that's all I want to say about that. Two brands of pantyhose, Fogal and Wolford, and if you're a man and you're listening to me right now, I cannot think of a better present than you can buy your loved one, your loved one presuming she's a female partner, maybe male, but presuming female, um, and that would be a pair of Fogal, F-O-G-A-L, or Walford pantyhose, because they are divine, and they feel divine on your leg. And they look great. They look great. So I'm wearing my beautiful pantyhose, feeling great, and I'm wearing my dress and my jacket, it's from the year Gimmel. And I realized I'd like to wear a pair of pretty shoes. And this is the point of the story. <laughs> this, is, this is the insight. Want to listen to me behind the wheel? Here it is. I used to have a beautiful pair of black and white. We used to call them spectator pumps. And they were beautiful because they were white with a little bit of black patent edging. I, be, I, I bought them in France. And they were beautiful shoes. And the reason I don't have them anymore is because when I went to get them repaired, which they needed to be resold and repaired, because remember I told you I keep things for a long time, I was so lazy and dilatory and procrastinating that I left them with the shoemaker so long, I'm talking years, that he threw them out right before he went out of business. And the moral of the story is, there is no moral of the story. That is the moral of the story. I get up, I get dressed. I no longer have any shoes that look really pretty with my outfit because I hate to shop. I forgot to tell you, I hate to shop for shoes too. And I have great feet, seven and a half medium. There's no reason why I can't go shopping for shoes, except I, I can't stand the idea of shopping. It always feels like a waste of time for me. It always feels like I need, I have anxiety. I have shopping anxiety. Other people do the opposite. Their anxiety in life is treated by spending a lot of money on things that give them an initial burst of pleasure. I had a friend like that. She was a shopaholic. She really was. She was. Her husband was going to go broke if she didn't stop. I don't even know what eventually happened with her. But with me, it's sort of the opposite. I have shopping-induced anxiety. I'm behind the wheel. I'm on my way to the show today. It's going to be a great one. Talk to you soon. Thank you. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.